0: Hello and welcome back to You Want to Do What with Dan and Julie. Today we've got Ed on, who is a beer sommelier, uh, a particular favourite I think of me and Jules. Uh, Sharp's Brewery he works for. Hi Ed, how are you?
1: I'm very well, your good self.
0: Yes, all good. Very excited to have this chat today. We uh, we like a few beers, don't we, Jules?
2: Uh, yeah, we do. And I pretty much lived off Sharp's beer when I was at
1: university in Plymouth. So um, well played, mate. I know it. I know it very well. <laughs> Good. You've got fantastic taste, obviously. Yes, yeah. Down in the woods
2: is
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. got some good beer. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you actually do, Ed?
1: Yes, yeah. Um, my job title is beer sommelier, um, which is nice and vague. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I talk about beer a lot. I do a lot of education, but then I do a lot of beer and food matching, whether it's with pub groups or chefs or bars. Do a little bit of beer cocktails. Um, but I also oversee the retail operation at the brewery as well. and um, do a lot of history chats. Um, I'm just a bit of a, a beer geek, really. Beer geek. It sounds be... like the
0: perfect job for yes. a beer geek. Yeah,
1: sounds good. Yeah, it, It's the g- best job in the world. And I've said this umpteen times. And the, the interesting <laughs> thing about it, I've, I've said this um, quite a lot. Yeah, best job in the world, I get to eat and drink for a living and, and, and eat in nice places and pair beers with them. But in fact, on reflection, as we've all been reflecting over this period of time, it's actually the people that I've met is the best thing about my job. Um, And that's where the sort of cookbook comes in and the chefs that I've worked with. It's it's just great. You know, I get to talk, talk about flavour to people and that's, that's good stuff.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll talk about the, uh, the book. because You've had some pretty high-level chefs you did a book with, but we're, we're excited to chat about that a bit later as well. Yeah. Man. Um, how did you actually get into this world then? How did you get this beer sommelier role?
1: Um, well, I, I was listening to, to Jack's podcast, actually, the mixologist okay. that you yeah. did. And uh, hospitality is a, a funny one. And Jack was so eloquent in talking about it. Like this wasn't a planned career. I, mm. I worked in bars and restaurants. I think, yeah, first job was washing dishes in a cafe. And I grew up in the village in, in Rock down here in Cornwall. So I'm very lucky. Mm. And then I moved to Nottingham. Um, delusions of grandeur as a musician. <laughs> um, and then realized, yeah, I worked in bars and restaurants and then fell in love with cocktails.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, ended up being a bar manager. Moved back down to Cornwall. Ended up working in front of house in a restaurant worked for Nathan Outlaw um, and the brewery was up the road and I joined the tasting panel so I've had two moments where I fell in love with beer one was when I was working in in Nottingham I went to Belgium for the first time wow. um, and that blew my mind and it wasn't yeah. it like so many people talk about yeah it's, it's the strong beers and it wasn't about the strong beers it was about the respect and reverence that the Belgians had for beer and I, I realized I've been working bars for a long a long time and no one had taught me anything about beer. And, and this is still the journey that I'm on now, asking, you know, avid beer drinkers what their knowledge is without undermining them. And I realised mm. that the brewing industry has done a, done a, you know, frankly, done quite a poor job of educating people about beer. Mm. So that's yeah, sort of my job. And then, I, yeah, I joined the tasting panel um, as a volunteer at the brewery where we had to try every brew of Doombar to make sure the beer is consistent and so it's done by, it was done, Stuart Howe was a head brewer at, the same, at, at that time. Um, and Friday, it was 13 people that didn't work for the brewery. Um, basically a quality control panel. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, and found out so much about beer through that. And um, did that for about a year and a half before I, I joined the brewery in the shop. And what a I'm,
0: fantastic way to fall into being a beer sommelier. Having to try Doombar all day.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing, and I think that's the thing that I I, I didn't realise how ma- how magic beer was, or how many beer styles there were. Mm-hmm. There is so much to learn about, you know, just that word beer. Um, that I, yes, it's like yeah, a, I mean, a treasure trove.
2: It's really exploded over the last few years. Uh, you know, the craft beer. I think is yes. if you if I go into a pub and they've only got the typical lagers on tap i'm very disappointed to be honest um yeah. i love to the local beers yeah. and the outlandish ones you know this i'm I, i'm more of a I, I walk up to a bar i don't mm. look i'll just be like just tell the barman pick me your favorite beer just to see what comes out because i'm I, I love all the different types of beers um and yeah i'm i, I, I think it's brilliant and i think we do we, it's growing so well
0: at the moment uh the beer yeah. industry what I do you think you your audiences ed because we're you know we're 25 um is that is the older audience still there or are more younger people finding you know proper beer ales and and proper beer
1: i think everyone from from obviously 18 upwards Mm. um and i think there there's multiple stigma attached to various beers or beer styles and I think mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to change with people. And it, sometimes it is down to individual conversations that, that we're having, that there is a beer for everyone. Um, and there's various misconceptions with the word lager or there's various misconceptions with particular beer brands. Because actually on face value, and I love the fact that you walk into a pub and ask the barman, what would you recommend? Because you do that with wine. And so a lot of, a lot of my job is trying to get people to treat beer like wine because yeah. we automatically respect wine and spirits more so than beer, um, which is just something that we've always done, especially um, especially in England. Um, we don't have the respect of romanticism and reverence we have for beer. We look at it as uh, a consumable and the arbitrary unit for beer is pint. Whereas in fact, who's ever told you you have to drink a pint? No, so we just we're just conditioned to do so.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I love the cans too. And I start yeah. get my my pack of craft beer through the uh, the mail every now and then. Uh, yeah. With my selection of cans, is uh, I think it's brilliant. And uh, I mean, to go with it as well, I think the art on the craft beers these days is is quite exceptional as well. There's some yeah. really funky things going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting. it's It's part of the package isn't it yeah 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 and everything's got a story every every brewery every beer's got a story to tell Mm -hmm. Um, and the one thing that i do ask of people i think is is that balance you know and maybe not style over substance because there's some fantastic beers that have been staring at us that that we've seen or we've believed to be mass-produced um that aren't as special as a craft microbrewery whereas the word word craft is very divisive in my opinion um um, but what it's done is brought a whole new energy to uh, an industry that's always been there and so it it has ultimately been positive um it's yeah it's it's so much fun the brewing industry at the moment Mm. it's the most exciting i think it's ever been really
0: so talk to us a little bit about um your school life ed How did you find school? What were you interested in? Did you ever sort of, I know you said you fell into it, but did you ever have some sort of inkling that, you know, you were going to go into the sort of uh, hospitality industry?
1: Not in the slightest, mate. (laughs) Um, School was a funny one, really. I loved school, you know, and growing up in Cornwall, I was blessed down here. Went to a really good school, Weybridge School. I live in Weybridge at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, I went to school with quite a couple of the chefs that are in the book. And being in North Cornwall in particular, hospitality, uh, especially in the last forty years, um, like ev- everyone sort of works in or around hospitality, and it, it does such a wonderful job. For you know, as a very proud Cornishman, for for our county, and that's mm. where the Steins' influence comes in. Rick and Jill Stein changed everything in Cornwall. And I and I love that. And we wouldn't have the Nathan Outlaws. We wouldn't have the Paul Ainsworths. We wouldn't have the Hanks. We we wouldn't have all of these people in Cornwall. Arguably, if it wasn't for Rick, because he made Cornwall a mecca for gastronomy, even though it wasn't planned. Because I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh really? Yeah. Until I failed my A levels and went, (laughs) oh, I haven't got a backup plan. (laughs) Oh, no backup plan. So I went to study sound engineering. Um, which was amazing Um, but you know doing an hnd end up working in bars and restaurants Mm. and completely fell in love with it but that's the interesting thing and again sort of referencing jack's podcast front of house now is a little bit different being a chef you can be a rock star like you know young young kids are going i want to be a chef when i'm older Mm. i don't know anyone that i grew up with or not many people now when they're growing up going I want to be a bar manager or a restaurant manager. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's a transitional job before you find a proper job. And I think that has been our country's biggest misgiving with the hospitality industry is Mm. the lack of empathy or the lack of respect for a front of house job. And Jack was saying, you get paid money to be nice to people and have conversations with people. And actually, the service industry—I I genuinely think everyone should work in the service industry um, for a period of time mm. because, yeah, you you learn, arguably, learn far more life skills in a year working in the service industry in a busy restaurant than possibly a year at university, depending on on what course you study.
0: I um, I, I must admit, I worked uh, just in a little local bar actually in the town where where we grew up. And I loved it. I did it for a couple of years, and I absolutely loved it. It was such great fun. Yeah. Um, but you're right. There's not that. There's not that. Okay, you can sort of take this seriously, route, uh, You know, in people's perception of it.
2: I think we've also lost a bit of a love for what happens in a restaurant. You know, I don't think we have the sommeliers in the everyday restaurant like there used to be, or even the concierge um, isn't as you know as forefront in the majority of places so I, I i think it has almost been standardized to do um for for anyone to do it which is a bit sad
1: yes yeah um and actually to do it and make a career out of it um it, it is an it one well, it's incredible obviously i'm i'm very biased um uh but it's back to that respect for for that mm. job because then, you can you can have the best food in the world in a restaurant but if the front of house the service is bad then the customer has a bad evening and they mm. could be eating genuinely the best food they've ever eaten. Mm. But if your front of house waiter or waitress or the concierge or maitre d' or whoever it would be is poor, that affects your evening. And back to the service industry, we're there to make sure that people have wonderful experiences. And it's all about creating great experiences for people.
0: So, are there any sort of courses or or even university degrees you know of that people can do now if they really, you know, they think, Oh, you know, I'm going to take this really seriously. Is there anything they can do now?
1: Yeah. Most catering colleges, um, into restaurant management or hotel management, you you have to do, you have to do some time in the trade because it's something you can't really learn in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, because, and you have to flex, flex your style per depending on what restaurant you are, if you're in a pub or, you know, a a barman in a nightclub has to push hard. You know, the work ethic is built into you in, in the hospitality trade. And that's another thing that I think so many people should do because I think the, the hard work is quite underestimated um, within, within front of house because it is, it's hard graft, but you know, and to put a smile on your face and make sure that, that customer's having a good time, whether they're in a nightclub or a cocktail bar or a fine dining restaurant. If you've got someone that has been able to work in all of those situations, that is a a very qualified person because you have to be you have to be very different in those in those situations. It could be about speed of service in a cocktail bar, and especially in particularly sort of fine cocktail bars. You have to know. At one point, when I was working in a cocktail bar in Nottingham, I had to know at least eighty cocktails. Um, off the top of my head wow yeah. and and that's and that's some memorizing that's you know it's like cooking cooking stuff off uh, from scratch from a from a from a larder and it's yeah those are all the things that we don't talk about it because because usually you're just so busy just doing you know um, you, you don't get to talk about it that much
0: are you finding that these top level chefs now are sort of looking to people like yourselves and, and sommeliers and concierges to, um, to up their game. You know, like you said, you can produce the best food in the world, but mm. if you haven't got the right drinks or the right service, then, you know, you're just as good as, you know, whoever down the road. Is yeah. that what's setting them apart now?
1: Yeah, point of difference. Mm. Um, we're lucky, you know, as, you know, all of us are lucky. If we can go out, go out for a meal, there are so many so many choices to go you know with just within the five mile radius of where i live mm. i could go or like, like slightly further than the five miles i could go to a michelin style restaurant i could go to you know a really good pub. um or i could go to cafe rogiano which is more italian themed and they're <laughs> just they're just paul ainsworth's places wow you know? and that that's incredible and that so there are in, in North Cornwall alone, we've got we have got the sort of the institution that is Stein Seafood Restaurant, but then you've got Nathan Outlaw down the road as well. And so, you know, gastronomy is exciting at the moment. But what does set different places aside is how they can improve their service level. It's like a it's like a decent football team. If someone's better than you, then you have to raise your game. And the bonus is we've we've had the standard set by Rick and Jill. You know, 40 years ago with the seafood restaurant, and Cornwall's just got better and better and better. And then you look at London, um, and then you've got umpteen Michelin starred restaurants, but wonderful places to go and eat and drink and create wonderful memories. And that's what, for me, that's what the hospitality industry is about. It's mm. looking after people, making sure that they have the best time, and you see people smile.
0: So, do you see a big opportunity for young people or anyone for that matter of fact that wants to go into this industry there it is growing and definitely you know the beer sommelier and it's a good great time to get into it
1: yeah and i would encourage encourage anyone Mm -hmm. you know even if it was just to see to see what it's like i would genuinely encourage anyone um to get into the trade and work in the hospitality trade um because you get to see people at their best and their worst you know If if you're working in a nightclub, people have have had a little bit too much to drink. (laughs) They can be quite unpredictable. Um, But that's that's all part of this industry.
2: If uh, someone was looking to potentially get into, uh, become a sommelier, um, how would you recommend them actually learning about different beers? Um, Um, Or even just a a novice at home, what what would you recommend?
1: Start off with what you know you like. Or what you know, you think you like. Because I think I went into to beer with, like I said, with actually very little knowledge. You can Google. There's so much to read. Um, but the best way to learn is to go on a voyage of Discovery, picking out different beer styles, making notes about what you'd like. Because I'm also a great believer of, and I've done a vast amount of tastings in the past. Taste is subjective Um, and I'm never a person to say that's a great beer to someone sitting opposite me or a group of six people. That's a great beer. You should like it because something that I like, it's like music or film do, you know, music and film is completely subjective. Mm -hmm. I'm a massive Star Wars fan. Some people don't like Star Wars. (laughs) Exactly the same, exact same as beer. And sometimes in wine, wine can can sort of have that perception of this is a great wine and there's a lot of nodding there's a lot of power of suggestion
2: yeah.
1: and it can be slightly intimidating whereas yep. it doesn't have to be like it's different stroke for different folk in my mm. opinion and so as long as you can have a conversation with people that's the right thing to do
2: yeah i mean i personally i have uh i have two apps on my phone uh one for my beer and one for my wine and every cool. time i uh enjoy a uh, or even if i don't enjoy it i am um, generally always snap it and put a little rating next to it Um, sometimes if i really enjoy it i'll leave a little comment on the um the app for other people to see so i think that's a great way i love it i I love logging all my um beers and things like that it's it's
0: brilliant it can look a bit dangerous though can't it some weeks you look at how much you've (laughs) you've added to your apps
1: it it could be but again about small quantities just just have 100 mil what what are your favorite beers gents
2: I'm I'm an ale sort of guy. I, I, sure. Apart from wheat ales, I'm not a great fan okay. of wheat ales. Um, yeah. But pale and an IPA are, are certainly where I'm at.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'm I'm sort of medium to dark beers. Um, nice. You know, I, I love a Doom Bar. I equally love a Timothy Taylor. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, that kind of beer for me.
1: Cool. And and that's and that's it. You know, and and then hopefully you can sort of you can go, by knowing what you like, and also knowing what you don't like as well. You mm-hmm. can guide yourselves around whether it's a color or whether it's a style Mm. um and that's a way to start to navigate to learn about beer there's some amazing books out there um there's some really nice guides out there but really go back to the basics Mm. um before i think the the lovely boom of craft has made people very very opinionated about beer where they can name a certain hot variety or know what a New England IPA is But actually let's get back down to the basics you know talk to me about the difference between ale and lager and the history of ale and lager because I'm like I said I'm a bit of a geek but I find that really interesting (laughs) and I've asked lots of people that question and even though they might be very particular beer drinkers they wouldn't be able to tell me the basic difference between ale and lager but the average wine drinker can name a great variety, a region, a country, whether it's New World or Old World. So hmm. go straight back to the basics. That would be my main tip for anyone that wants to start learning about beer.
2: And also, I'd say read what's on the bottle. You know, for a wine, you get the bottle. Oh, but whenever a wine comes to me, I'll look at the bottle and read yeah. uh, what it says on it. And I'll 100% do the same with a can or a bottle yeah. of beer that comes
1: my way. Absolutely. That's why the, That's why the you know the brewers and the marketing guys will put tasting notes on there and there's lots of food pairings on on cans and bottles now as well mm. which and that's the guide it's all it's all there for everyone to take in
0: so beer smelli life what mm. is the average day in a beer smelly cuz it just sounds fantastic so far
1: um i think i can answer that really quickly <laughs> there is no average day okay um so you know uh, i suppose last year consisted of sort of going to speak to a lot of chefs and reading through their menu um on the flip side of that it could be hosting trips down to Cornwall um and taking people to the Mariners so Paul Ainsworth's pub that's our 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 partner down in Rock Mm -hmm. and sort of doing beer and food menus but I could be at a trade show where we do cool experiences we have an experience called the secret bar that's been on tour for the last seven years it's like the best kept secret that's no one's ever really kept the secret and it's it's all about <laughs> beer and food um, so yeah there, there do, is do you
0: take that around is that all around, yes. around the country
1: yeah so we popped up at big festival taste of london oh wow um, done a lot of music festivals just to create experiences so we've mm. got a, we've got a wicked events team like they are dear friends and wonderful people you know nick and sam and bryney and like all the guys that we work with Um, at sharps and we pop Mm. up and do these sort of cool activations where we'll do a beer cocktail and then a little taster menu Um, there can be some sort of dry ice and cocktails and aromas and that's the cool stuff and the whole point is to elevate beer to that level that you'd expect from you know a really cool soho cocktail bar or Mm. a wonderful michelin star restaurant um, if you give those people experiences, they're going to remember it. And again, it's small groups of people just to make beer magic. I think that's my job. I'm far from a magician, but make beer magic is, is my job, really.
0: What a job. What a job. <laughs> um, so what what kind of personality traits do you reckon you need to really succeed in, in beer sommelier life?
1: Um, I think I, I just within Molson Cause, I work with quite a lot of beer sommeliers that don't do all the jobs that i do some mm. some of the guys work in category okay. um sort of doing all the stats of how different beer styles uh, are selling within the on trade so pubs and restaurants and then the off trade the, the supermarkets so i think the beer sommelier is is a wide a wide sort of it's the accreditation but then you can have a beer sommelier working a restaurant or a buyer for a for a um, a supermarket so it's 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 like super versatile now mm-hmm. i think there's you know about 180 accredited beer sommeliers in the world through the institute of brewing and distilling
2: so oh, wow actually i do have a quick question i want to jump back on is you said yeah. earlier that you wouldn't actually uh, recommend a beer to someone almost or you, you wouldn't say that's a brilliant beer you'd love it how, how does that affect your job because obviously you're drinking beer to promote it i suppose in a way
1: yeah well i think it's not necessarily i wouldn't say that that's a great beer in my opinion i can caveat that all, all the time mm. it should be a conversation of what do you usually drink you know, okay with you know um it's, it's more that
2: remember. pairing between flavors if some uh, i suppose it's if someone orders a I'm go out on just saying something random a fish a light fish dish yeah then they'll probably like a light beer to go with it,
1: potentially
2: lager.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, Maybe go not watch. a light beer like the US. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I I would. Funny enough, I had a, a conversation with someone about scallops and cause light. The, okay. The bonus with the bonus with your cause lights, your Budweisers, um, and what we consider as these huge lagers. Mm. They're probably the hardest beers in the world to brew, and I've been yeah. told this by multiple brewers because there is nowhere to hide. So. A pastry chef, a good pastry chef, their test would be make me a lemon tart because there's lots of things that can go wrong with a good lemon tart. Um, and a test of a really good brewer, can they brew a lager? Really? Yeah. Was,
2: do you think that's it's why there's elegant. not so many craft beer, well, I wouldn't say micro beer lagers because I don't see that many actually.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, yeah. And I, and they, you know, just the word lager is the German word for warehouse or storage. Lagers take longer generally to brew than most ales because the yeast works slower. And you need to condition lager post fermentation at cold temperatures. And this these are all the nuggets, this is what I mean about the this interesting world of how we look at lager as being pale and standard, yeah. Whereas in fact there's lagers in Germany from the Bamberg region, region that are as dark as stouts and a smoked lagers so you oh. have a black lager as well and this is what i mean about the the voyage of discovery about all these things that went i never knew that could happen no yeah. and that sounds good a smoked lager i yeah, could get into incredible. that yeah yeah slenköller rauch beer i okay. would recommend okay. and they're from bamberg again specifically made to to go with food so smoked meat
0: well it's my birthday soon julie so <laughs> get
1: on that Hmm. That was a proper hint, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it was. <laughs> so you actually you did say you. So what is the difference between a lager and a and a beer or an ale? What is the actual difference?
1: Good. I'm. I'm really glad you asked that. <laughs> I, w- I was going to ask you guys. um So we can give it a shot if you want. That's <laughs> no, cool. Yeah, yeah. Give it a go. Look, in fact, yeah. Turn it on its head. Okay. All, All right.
2: Guys, uh, well, obviously, I I think a lager is uh, much more gaseous. Um, mm-hmm. It's generally has a more I say a tinny flavor at the end of it to an ale. I thought I think an ale is a bit smoother in my opinion. Yeah. Um I'm pro- I'm more, more I'm thinking of a a pow ale here, uh, my yeah. preferred. Um yeah, I I it, power ale's flatter and
0: yeah. Um yeah. I think is it something to do it must be something to do with the process. Um yeah. barley hops, yeah, some sort of different What well, you just those. said it's it's a longer process to do lager, whereas I thought it would have been the other way around because to me, lager is a bit, it's not as refined as some Oh Well, things. yeah, I mean, because of its
1: mass production, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I guess yeah.
0: so. But what, so what is it, Ed? What is the
1: difference? See, this is why I do my job, gents, because I'm, <laughs> I'm, grinning, I'm grinning from ear to ear, because this is exactly what I mean about the brewing industry, not teaching people. And you're both beer drinkers, right? Yeah. So it's, um, ultimately, it's yeast. So historically, um, so lager being a German word, the Germans changed everything in brewing. And brewing processes so it's pre-refrigeration so before the mid 1800s generally ales and what we call lambic beers or spontaneous fermented beers so it's all about fermentation so lager is a is a yeast variety the original yeast variety was Saccharomyces pastorianus, um, and that was a yeast variety that sank to the bottom of the tank ale right. um, was Saccharomyces cerevisiae which was uh, a yeast that rose to the top of the tank so bottom and top fermenting ultimately Mm. lagers ferment at really cool temperatures um ales ferment at warmer temperatures and both those yeast varieties give off different flavor profiles and different esters of what we call them um and that's pretty much it but you can have lagers as black as stouts and ale as pale or as gassy as lagers and but yeah in fact 18 if i go slightly deeper 1842 In the town of Pilsen is where this yeast variety was discovered. Hence Pilsners. Argument. No way!
0: Yeah, okay. see, that's yes. the penny drop
1: moment. You yes. both had that penny drop moment,
0: right? <laughs> I'm a massive history geek, so I'm absolutely loving this.
1: Cool. Um, well, mid-1800s is amazing in the whole world of drinks, mate.
0: Yeah. So... Let's, I Can, mean, yeah, you, you've
2: already said you're grinning ear to ear. Yeah. So what are some of the real positives apart from educating the beer drinkers uh, that you get out of uh, being a sommelier?
1: I think flavour, because when you take um, mass production or small production out of everything, the lovely thing about working with chefs and other restaurateurs um, and people in general They might not like a beer on its own, but when you put it with the right food, the beer changes or the food changes um, and then everything makes sense. It's like when you have a really good wine pairing, you might not like the wine on its own, like a big Italian Barolo might be just too much drink on its own. But you put that with an amazing venison dish and you just sit down and smile or you don't even say anything. And just taking all those flavours, that's the best thing about it. And it sort of goes back to people having experiences. And for me, being able to watch people have wonderful experiences, that they never thought beer could be that special. Mm. That's that's the lovely thing about my job.
0: So we already sort of uh, hinted earlier on to this book that you've done. And that leads nicely into sort of the opportunities this can give you this job you've worked with some amazing chefs like chefs that are always on the TV, you know, Paul Wainsworth. Yeah. um, And that must be fantastic fun. It must be great to work with guys like that.
1: It's amazing. And funny enough, right, right at the beginning, we're not going to dwell on lockdown and the situation that we're in. Um, but right at the beginning, um, sort of taking a leaf out of your, your guys book. I, I started recording a podcast that's basically telling stories about how we met the chefs, um, and the dishes that they did um, for the book, um, and you know, they, I've got the book in front of me here. There's 22 guys um, in this book, and I'm very, very privileged to call you know all of the mates um, mm. because we have met them in a real way. This wasn't a little black book of we want to have Paul Ainsworth in this book because Paul's a big name um paul's and Padstow. he supported us in events for the last seven years um with our secret bar and as soon as i said we're doing a beer and food cookbook it's like yeah yeah i'll join in and i'll get my other chefs in oh, you know awesome. the seal of approval from you know one of my absolute heroes and uh nathan because i worked for nathan for a year and a half in st Annadoc. that's that's Without nathan i wouldn't be where I am now because it is it 's all about people and the best thing about chefs and mixologists it's all about flavor as well, so I was knocking on open doors, but these are all relationships that we we maintain thereafter
2: okay so what would uh, unfortunately be some of the more less favorable things that you um you you have to deal with in the industry um, if there are any
1: <coughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are, but um, There definitely are I think um, the sort of challenging people's perspectives if they've got an absolute bee in their bonnet um, about a certain beer brand and there's loads that I can mention it's battling negativity um, and talking within you know a a lot of people in the brewing industry there's quite a lot of animosity in the brewing industry whereas in fact we're all in it together we should all be going beer's amazing our beer's great um, and it goes here, whereas in fact, there is quite a lot of negativity in the industry that, that isn't needed, because actually, collectively, if all the brewers got together to go, right, the, the enemy isn't the other brewer, possibly the enemy's wine, because wine has been there in every Michelin style restaurant, there's wine sommeliers, you expect a sommelier to be in there to pair your drinks menu, uh, your, your wine, uh, a wine flight with your 714 course drinks menu. Yeah then that's that's what i want a piece of because it's back to conditioning we've always put wine on that pedestal and to change people's perceptions of beer collectively that's the key because it should be a drinks list so if you mm-hmm. speak to james napet for instance that's in the cookbook he's got kitchen table bubble dogs he'll do a drinks list with his 16 course tasting menu and that dude's got two michelin stars and that doesn't like that could be tea it could be a juice it could be a cocktail There'll be wines in there, beers in there. That's the key for me. Wow. Um, it should be a drinks list. Um, so that's that's the biggest challenge for me. And those, those will be the negatives. And like I said, unfortunately, some people are so fixed in their mind about what they think is a good beer, that they'll discredit other beers. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Now this sounds like a complete uh, more of a passion than a, a career for you, Ed. But w- we do talk a little bit about money on the show. Yeah. Um, so we'll give you a range uh, of income um, and see if that sort of resonates with with what you find. So yeah. we we did some some digging and it seemed to be between about twenty to twenty seven thousand annual um, income wise. Does that resonate with you?
1: Yeah, I'd say about that. It, 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 I suppose it would be more of akin to a wine sommelier possibly mm-hmm. um, and a restaurant manager because mm-hmm. it's it's hospitality. But then, you know, there's beer sommeliers that are yeah, head buyers for the biggest pub chain in in the con- country that I'm sure would surpass the £30,000 £30, mark as well. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's varied. I think the beer sommelier is part of the career.
2: There's a lot as- more to it though you've already touched on, yeah
1: exactly but and yeah. that's where, what makes it very very versatile
2: okay um so what would be something that uh when you got into all this uh you were never expecting uh that was on the job description? just job description um can be good or bad um, maybe just something you have to deal with every now and then
1: uh biggest surprises in the job description um i think th- one of the best surprises i got two definitely going i'm going to co-write a cookbook never in my wildest dreams talked about it a lot but never thought it would come to reality <laughs> um and I, i've been on saturday kitchen like oh wow or eight, yeah seven or yeah, eight yeah. times um oh, awesome never expected that either so the first BSMLA on saturday kitchen i'm usually very humble but why not um, yeah
0: that's seriously cool that
1: that was super cool man like genuinely privileged and humbled to to be on that show and meet those people so yeah yeah those, those, those were the they're the nice surprises dude
0: mm. wow. so how would somebody once they get into the industry how would they progress i mean you've done some amazing stuff already you know with the cookbook and being on tv um how would you say to someone if they get into this industry how do you progress yourself
1: um study a lot study a lot about beer um and back to that, I suppose, the hospitality mindset, a lot of people say network, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of the, the word networking, just ask questions and talk to people, find out what they love. You know, I think the biggest thing for me, especially now it's been compounded after re- recording the podcasts, I I had the best job in the world because I, I got to chat to mates and ask them about their backstory and what they love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's making friends in the end. I yep. think it is to be as positive as possible. Um, I know they're rather general and slightly philosophical um, reasons to believe, but that, I genuinely think that, that that's, that's where I am. At okay. The
0: Fantastic.
2: Uh, would you still go into the industry knowing what you know now?
1: 100%. Yes. 100%. I think, I, I, think I, I probably wouldn't have chosen a to go into the hospitality trade. I think my path was was made for me. I was sort of making it up as i I was going along um, but I don't regret a minute of it because it has taught me an incredible work ethic um, and I got to meet so many different people and you know life is is all about these experiences really um, so yeah, I wouldn't change a thing
2: um just before we wrap up, where can uh, anyone find you on social media
1: Um bs is my instagram uh what do you call it handle i'm not very good i'm still a country (laughs) cornish boy going there's that's my handle um and yeah and and pop to the shark brewery website you can grab a grab a book have a listen to the podcasts um listen to people chat um and i think rather than follow me just yeah just every time you look at a beer um read the label and ask what the word pilsner means, what the word lager means, and you're already on that little voyage of discovery because it is, it's a magical journey to go on.
0: We'll, we'll definitely put some stuff up on our Instagram, Ed. We'll put your book up and, and link to your profile and stuff. Um, it's, nice been an it's been an absolute pleasure. i really
1: enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Thanks, guys. I and, really appreciate you asking me.
0: And um, we'll, we'll speak to you again soon, Ed. I'm going to go. Nice you. one.
1: Good stuff. <laughs> Do it. Cheers, Ed. Okay, Cheers, take Ed. Care. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.